I don't know what to call this because <laughs> so much has happened in the last few weeks that have changed the way I look at life and see myself as living. I want to, I'm going to eat sunflower seeds while I do this so you can hear me crunching. Why can I throw the seeds in? Well, I guess these recordings are dedicated to my identical twin, Sean, my son, Kennedy, and the love of my life, Erica. And not in any special order. For the last couple of years, um, I've been going to my primary care practitioner and complaining of that my hands are swollen in the mornings, that I have to pee all the time, that I'm thirsty all the time, and that I had been peeing blood. She ordered all these special blood tests that I'd never taken before. And I found out that my creatinine, whatever they call that level, is in question. And so is some EGFR is also in question. And what this means is I have stage two chronic kidney disease. Actually, it's renal failure. If you get to stage four, you're close to dying. I'm at stage two and I'm almost at stage three. I don't talk to Sean about it very much because it makes her cry. I haven't told my son at all because he's in law school and law school is hard and I don't want it to affect his concentration. I don't want him worrying about me. I had hoped by this time in my life, I'm 58 and a half, closer to 59 that I would have had a long term relationship and I would have lived happily ever after I've had shitty relationships I had a mom my adopted mom that took really good care of me when I was little and I realize now as an adult, she had to control everything. She controlled my dad, she controlled the house, she controlled each one of his kids. And I'm thinking that if something was out of her control, it made her anxious and uneasy. 
So the only way to, to um, satisfy that was to make sure she had control. She had control over what we wore, how we did our hair, what we played with, and who we played with. As an adult, oh, first of all, as a kid, I wanted to be a boy. And I told my mom at age seven I was going to marry a woman. And she got really upset. And she said, oh, no, you won't over my dead body. So as an adult, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I married a man, but a, a man that I didn't love. And I had sex with this man so I could get pregnant and have babies. But we had trouble getting pregnant because not all of my innards were firing. I found out later on after I had endometriosis and went for laparoscopic exams that my left ovary was an ovotestine which legally made me medically a hermaphrodite, but they don't call that anymore. They call it intersexed. It may have explained why I felt one way and had some kind of weird hormonal push and I was only able to get pregnant based on one side that was firing. And so now now, when I lived as a lesbian, I left my husband and lived with a woman that was 19 years older than me. And she had four kids. Her husband was gay. She left her husband and he was a millionaire. So she could be true to herself. She took the kids with her. I mentioned she was 19 years older. It was weird because her daughter, one of her oldest daughter, was only three years younger than me. So it could have been her daughter and I could have been together, even though her daughter, well, her daughter was bisexual, but I wasn't attracted to her. I was in love with Carol. You can hear Kobe in the background. Kobe, it's okay. I ended up terminating that relationship and it was hard for me because she had a son that had AIDS and her son didn't care if other people got it. At the time we didn't know if AIDS was transmittable through saliva. And he used to grab people's drinks and spit in them on purpose. Or if he used a grater to help cook a meal, he didn't tell anybody until after we were all done eating that he had bled, got caught and bled. So basically he was putting us all at risk. And Carol was the type that I had to live with her and her son or else. And so I called her up and I said, I cannot live with you 
I love you, but I cannot live with you because I cannot have my son around Richard. Kennedy was only like four or five. He was five. I didn't want Richard bringing Kennedy out as gay because I knew Kennedy was going to be anyway because Kennedy wanted to be Darla off of Little Rascals. He crocheted, braided hair, did gymnastics, um, played with trolls, and figure skated. He never did boy things. And he played the cello, and he's good at it. So I knew when he was like three that he was going to be a gay person. And I was okay with that. I just didn't want to have to live around Richard smoking cigarettes, teaching Kennedy to smoke cigarettes, teaching Kennedy how to have gay man sex. And basically, I mean, not as little age, probably as you got older. Carol got really mad and I don't I can understand her her anger she felt um, rejected and abandoned we could have worked it out if we just had our own houses but she didn't want to do that she wanted her per, her partner in her bed every night along with Richard in her house So the same day, I couldn't approach her in person because she would explode. So she was explosive with her anger, which made her not safe. And the same day that I gave her that phone call, she called me back and left a message on my voicemail calling me a psycho slut and that if I caught anything it would be for my own fucking cunt is what she put and I thought now she's going to bully me so I called the police and I said is this illegal for someone to leave this kind of message and they said yes and so they asked her to come in and pick up her summons but she wouldn't do it so they she they they actually served her her summons at her place of work. They didn't arrest her, but they served her a summons, and she had to go to court. And they played that recording in the court for everybody to hear. And I'm sure she was a little embarrassed. I would have been. And she never spoke to me since. But I'd see her around the gay community, and it broke my heart. And then I had a woman that I found attractive. She was 10 years older than me. And basically she came, I don't know why these people did this. I don't know why I allowed it. She acted like she was interested in me and acted like she loved me and acted like she was sexually attracted to me. 
and everything was fine until we had to move out of move her out of her house that she was renting and get a house and I couldn't close on this one house for whatever reason I couldn't get the financing at the time so we had to find a new rental and we did that for a while until I found financing and bought a house and she came and lived with me until I figured out that she was in love with her best friend's co-worker's wife and I picked up on it and I called her on it and she said yes and I said you can't live here then and be in love with someone else that's not acceptable to me so I terminated that relationship and she was mad she threw shit all over my lawn <laughs> and left a big pyramid pile of shit that she didn't want to take with her and I haven't talked to her since and then eventually I met Kathy All of this happened from the time that I was 27. It began at 27. I mean, well, technically, the being bossed around and controlled by my mom began from the time I was adopted. But I met Kathy when I was, how old was I? 40 and she was turning 50 and I really didn't want her to live with me and I should have gotten a clue because when we started dating I knew that she had lived with this one friend of hers and she had fallen in love with this friend but this friend told her I would never date anyone like you you're too pasty <laughs> meaning she was too white Kathy had blonde hair blue eyes and light skin pasty skin and I went over to her town home one time and saw all these boxes. And I said, how long have you lived here in your town home? And she said, a little over a year. I didn't say it, but I thought to myself, and you haven't unpacked yet? She was waiting to hop on somebody and then she'd have to unpack where they lived. I did not invite her to live with me. One day, all of a sudden, she brought all of her shit over. And I'm like, what? And then she got this dog, a Karen Terrier, named it Xena. And she would bring it over during the day and let me um, dog watch it. But then at night, 
she would go back to her town home and sleep there to be with Zena. But she had her clothes and everything at my house. I didn't understand any of that shit. And I asked her, I said, why are you doing that? That's weird. And she said she didn't want me to bond with Zena. She wanted Zena to bond with her. And she saw Zena as the reincarnated baby that she had aborted when she was 20-some years old. I'm like, whatever. If that's what you believe and feel, I honor that. Well, I did everything I could think of to try to get her to touch me. She wouldn't touch me, and she wouldn't let me touch her. And I asked her, what kind of a lesbian are you that you don't want to touch and you don't want to be be touched? And she said she didn't know. So I'd take her to these hotels and do these romantic dinners and and she just wouldn't let me touch her. And I thought, what the fuck, you're like a boogie on the finger that you can't get off. Then we went on this cruise and I met a woman that instantly I had known her before from another life not from this life I felt that my soul knew her soul and Erica told me that she was a lesbian and when I pursued her Erica, if you're listening, you know all this already. I believe that she loved me too. But after all the years pursuing her, 16 years to date, she's an ultra-Orthodox Jew. And although the Torah says... And I found out along the way that I'm Jewish. But I'm not that Jewish. I don't believe God wrote a book. I believe man did. And I don't believe it's binding. Although I do like some of our traditions. So I honor Shabbat. And I honor saying a prayer before I eat. Oh, I forgot to do this with the sunflower seeds. Baruchata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Asher Kiddushana B'mitzvotah V'tzivanu La'asok Oh wait, that's for the Torah study. Borei, my name is known. Thank you for the um, nutrition. Anyway. Now I really appreciate and apply and almost cry every time I go to the bathroom. Because we as Jews, we have a, a, it's called a bathroom prayer. In Hebrew, I don't know what it is, but I put my own little spin on it. Whether I poop or pee, I always say, thank you, God, for what comes out of me comes out of me. What stays in, stays in. Because if something was open when it should be shut, or something is shut when it should be open, I wouldn't be here to do your work whatever that work is just for me 
And now that I'm finding out that something that's supposed to be open is shutting and something and other things are shutting and then when they should be open and I have no control over anyway, it's tweaking with me. I don't know why I felt like recording this because I have tried and tried not to think about Erica. And I've tried to um, cut myself off from her. But I still feel connected somehow. In her sect of Judaism, they believe in what's called conversion therapy. They have this organization called Jonah and they got in trouble for that and then they changed their name legally and are still doing the same thing. I want to read you some statistics on conversion therapy. It's usually um, ultra-Orthodox Jews or Mormons or evangelical Christians that do this to their own children. Let me read you something. I don't know if this is still going to go. Okay. In 2018, the Institute of whoever did this study estimated that 698,000 LGBT people ages 18 to 59 in the U.S. have received conversion therapy. That's a lot of people. That number includes 350,000 adults who received the treatment when they were adolescents. About 20,000 LGBT young people aged 13 to 17 will receive conversion therapy. I spelled that wrong. Hold on. Conversion therapy from a licensed healthcare professional before they reach the age of 18 in the states that do did not, as of this date, ban the practice. About 6,000 young people 13 to 17 living in states that do ban conversion therapy would have received the therapy from a licensed healthcare professional before they turned 18 if their state had not instituted a ban. Across all states, about 57,000 young people will receive conversion therapy from religious or spiritual advisors before reaching the age of 18. The practice has been condemned by nearly every major professional health organization, including the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Counseling Association, the National Association of School Psychologists, the American Psychoanalytic Association, and the American Counseling Association. Do you know what they do? It's not just, oh, you're not supposed to be this way. You need to do exactly what the Torah says because the Torah and the Bible say it's only Adam and Eve. In some conversion therapies, not all, they strip 
the people of their clothing and they beat them with Bibles. That makes um, a book that's supposed to be sacred a weapon. A weapon of destruction. A weapon of taking away from someone their dignity, their, their self-worth, their existence because they're not matching the Bible. And quite frankly, it makes me furious. I have personally known two trans people that have committed suicide because their families didn't accept them. I knew two lesbians that hung themselves, one hung themselves in a park because their family didn't accept her. And the other one overdosed on drugs on purpose. I myself dealt with the pain that I felt from the rejection of my own mom who gave me a dollar in her contempt for reasons known only to the family because I wouldn't change. She would say, when you're willing to change, I'm willing to change. I didn't want a dollar. I wanted her. I didn't even want a penny. I mean, a cent. I wanted acceptance for who I was as is. Not because I would bring attention to the family and and embarrass my family or whatever. Whatever my mom felt because she was always about keeping up appearances. It was all about having people think that she was absolutely wonderful because of the way she raised us. And if I was a lesbian, people would, or trans, she would um, think people thought she was a bad mother. She was a good mother up until she disowned me. That's when I took the name of Bomberger after I found out I was a Bomberger. And that family didn't want to acknowledge me either, but that's the name I should have been given on my birth certificate when I was born instead of Fitzpatrick Baby B. When I was adopted, I was named Sharon Renee Smith. And now my name is Anshul Sharon Bomberger. Technically and legally, it is Anshul Sharon Smith Fleiner Fitzpatrick Bomberger. It includes every parent that I've like passed through their hands. Erica, I know you're going to be listening to this because I'm going to send it to you. I had a dream and you were in it last night. That tells me my mind is still trying to defrag me knowing you and putting whatever emotions are tied to that wanting you in my life and loving you into a different place. I always thought I would marry you. And I found this week that I've been calculating how much time left I probably have because once your fi- kidneys are fucked, they're fucked. You can't you can't bring them back to where th- where they were. Most people are at 100% for that um GFR thing. I'm 60ish. That makes me stage 2. Stage three is 60 below. 
stage four. I can't remember what that is. And at stage four, I think three or four, you start dialysis. Once you start dialysis, you have two to five years to live. So I don't know really how to calculate it. All I know is I thought I was going to live to be 90, and I don't think that's going to ever happen. So it's caused me to look at things differently. It's made me think I need to get this house in order so when I do die, Kennedy doesn't have to walk in and have to figure out what he's going to do with my stuff. It's made me realize I'm never going to marry Erica because, or anyone for that matter, because it's not fair to bring someone into my life when I only have X amount of years to live. To me, it's a death sentence. Here I am eating sunflower seeds and they reek of salt and I'm not supposed to have salt and I just don't give a shit. Let's see how much sodium is in this. Um, well, the kernels alone are 140 milligrams, which is 6%. And with the shell and the salt, <laughs> it's 118% at 2,820 milligrams. And I don't give a shit. What happens is... I won't die from the kidneys failing. I will die from um, having too much water in my system and not being able to purge it. The kidneys act as a filter. They filter out all the toxins in your body and, and put good blood back into your veins for you to be able to survive. They control the electrolytes in your body and basically they control your, your fluids. Um, and that's what comes out in the urine if you have too much protein in your urine it means that your your kidneys aren't putting that protein back into your bloodstream to help you with your muscles and everything and once the, the kidneys fail your body cannot filter out the toxins and so it, it, it's like a backup it's like a drain that's clogged you gain weight, water weight, from from your body not being able to get rid of it. And it's not like you can poke a hole in it and it'll it'll like escape. It's no escaping. So what it does is it surrounds the heart, and you die of conge congestive heart failure. I sent Erica an email saying I don't care. I do care. I love her very much. I liked, I would have liked to have married her and grown happily ever after with her. But I don't know if I have two years to live or 20 years to live. Twenty years, um, if you weren't that bad when you started dialysis, but if you're really bad and start dialysis, you have two to five years to live. I believe in quality of life, not quantity of life. I don't choose to tell Kennedy this because he will 
look at it like he'll either deny it like he did when I had uterine cancer or he'll place it somewhere else in his mind so he can get through whatever he's getting through I so bad want to tell him that I can't it would be cruel and people are like well why can't you get a donation from your twin or from your son well as a Jew I've learned that in some sects of Judaism it's okay to take someone else's organ but in my mind Sean and Kennedy aren't done with theirs yet and in Judaism it is equivalent to murder to take someone's organ if you don't know if it's going to cause them to to medically deteriorate and die it's equivalent to murder I don't want to do that to Sean and I don't want to do that to Kennedy no organ swapping it is what it is it will happen when it happens and I'm not going to take someone's organ and risk them dying because I'm selfish and I want more time that's not how it works in my mind And as Forrest Gump would say, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs>